You're listening to the Garden City Church Podcast. We just want to say thanks so much for tuning in. And if you enjoy what you hear today, please subscribe, share, and review the podcast. If you want to support what Garden City is doing, you can go to GardenCityNW.com slash give or click on give in the show notes. Let's dive into this week's message together. Welcome to Spiritual Questions. We believe a community of belonging practices spiritual inquiry and discovery. Isaiah 1.18 says, Come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. I just love that image that God uh, wants to reason, wants to dialogue, wants to um, walk through life with us in a way like a, like a father or mother would want to walk with a child. And there's learning and there's curiosity that are so central to being human. Um, that God isn't just wanting to download creeds and theology into our brains. He, he actually wants us to actively think and reason with him. You know, Jesus embraced a spirituality of spiritual inquiry and curiosity. He was always engaging people's deepest and toughest questions, and he was always asking questions back, helping people to think more deeply about their thoughts, their doubts, and even their lives. Now, Jesus loved curiosity and loved through curiosity. A life of love isn't a life of knowing everything, never struggling, never doubting. It's a life of invitation to curiosity, wonder, and exploration of the universe that God has made. And Jesus beckons us into a world filled with God's love and beauty and truth and goodness. And although it is, there is brokenness and there are things that are very difficult and hardship does come into our lives. It's so much better to be able to walk with a community that's trying to discover and be curious and, and be able to dialogue about the world that we live in, especially a community that's centered on Jesus. So are we willing to explore that world with Jesus? Following his example, we're going to be taking time to dwell on our spiritual questions. Questions, many of them sent in by you, our community. So what questions are you wrestling with these days? What questions are your friends wrestling through? Message us, let us know. Like We'd love to have them be part of even this series. Um, I just think that's so important. So if you know someone who might feel like an outsider, feel like a skeptic, a doubter, or is maybe just spiritually curious, invite them to join in on the dialogue. And maybe you might feel that way, even if you're a Christian, or maybe you're, you're just exploring faith. I want to invite you to join us. So let's get into the questions. First question is, how do I deal with difficult change? Uh, Ecclesiastes 3.1 says this, there's a time for everything and a season for every activity under the heavens. I mean, this can be the good and the bad, the the easy and the difficult. I mean, there's just so many seasons that we go through. One thing that we can always count on is change. Um, that's something that is certain. Life will experience a lot of change. I don't know about you the last four years, if you can look back and see a lot of change. But I mean, for my life, uh, there's been change in our community, change in our family, change in my kids. They've grown like crazy. Um, there's rapid change in, in many of the industries that we work in, the fields of discipline that we work in. Um, there's just so much change. And so a few questions I think are important um, when we're going through a season of change. Here's, here's a few questions to consider. The first one is, what expectations do I need to let go of for this new season? 
for this maybe change of pace in my life. The other question would be, what opportunities do I need to seize right now? What, like, what opportunities are unique to right now that if you don't see them or you don't seize them, you'll miss them. They'll pass you by like a wave in the ocean. Another important question is, what season am I heading into? Trying to, I know it's not always possible to completely forecast things um, in our lives. It's not possible to always forecast the future, but I think that sometimes we can get a sense of the waves that are coming toward us. And so I think it's important to plan our lives uh, around our seasons, um, not our seasons around like our plans. Let me say that again. I think it's important to plan our lives around our seasons, like the life that we're actually living, rather than trying to um, do the opposite. Um, because our plans are going to change dependent on our situations. I think when we start answering these three questions for our family, maybe for your work, um, maybe for whatever situation you might find yourself in, I think you your priorities begin to get really clear for this time and this moment. So that's a simple way of answering that question. There's other ways I could do it, but I might start there in this season if you're experiencing change. Here's a good question. Why do you believe? Now, I think what that's asking is, why do I personally believe? Why do I still believe in Jesus? Um, I've said this before, but this is still so true for me and, and my faith. One of the most convincing and miraculous elements of Jesus for me that I think often goes... Um, unseen or kind of missed, is the miracle of his teachings, his ethical vision. Think about some of his teachings on power, Jesus' teachings on forgiveness, generosity, darkness, doubt, truth, freedom. Are these any less important in today's world than in the ancient world? You see, Jesus understood human need, human foible, human weakness, and human potential. If you look back over the last 2,000 years, I think you'd be hard-pressed to find someone whose teachings have had more influence and transformed more lives for the good. I'm sure people have taken his words out of context, but if you look at his teachings, things like how to love your enemy, how to forgive and reconcile, there's nothing else like it. If you want to look for the miraculous in Jesus, you don't have to look much farther than his teachings on life in this world and its understanding of what the divine is. No other religious figure taught about power as love and service the way Jesus did, and then demonstrated his love and service by willingly dying for both his friends and his enemies. The Jesus community at its best has served cities and cultures throughout the centuries, helping the marginalized, the outsider, the broken, the forgotten. The Jesus community transcends borders, is flexible, and, and, and is part of different traditions within Christianity and perspectives all around the globe, creating a beautiful mosaic and family. Now, my own experience with Jesus has really changed me, and it's changed me over and over again. My life would be so much more self-centered, more egotistical, more isolated without his presence, his invitations, his love, and his challenges to my own life. I don't know where I'd be without 
Jesus' guidance, without his teachings, without his community. I can say that through all the hills and the valleys of life, how grateful I am for the goodness, beauty, and life that I've found in him. I'm so grateful to be part of the community. So grateful for um, my church family, learning to walk the way of Jesus together. And so that's why I believe. What's up with hell? (laughs) That's a good question. What is up with hell? Now, I think this question is swimming in some really deep waters. Uh, I want to acknowledge the care that needs to be taken when discussing a topic like this. Uh, Think about how this impacts, you know, individuals and people and their families and the questions, deep questions that people have uh, about the eternal nature of existence and of God uh, and eternal destination. Like this is, this is uh, treading on some sensitive topics. I want to, this response be hopefully helpful and, um, it shouldn't, I don't think we should treat it lightly or flippantly. So I'm going to give you just some broad perspectives um, that Christians have held um, over, the, over the years about um, this theological topic um, of hell and really eternal destination. So um, the first perspective I'll give you, or position that someone might hold, is some people will say hell is a literal place, an eternal place of flame and suffering, an eternal state of conscious torment and punishment. Another view um, believes that hell is a final extinguishing or burning up of the human soul that has chosen to reject God. This is called annihilationism. It's, it emphasizes the fact that although God seeks and draws all people toward himself, humans ultimately can choose to reject God and that God allows this rejection but he does not seek eternal torture or punishment for the choice to reject him. Instead, their souls are extinguished into non-existence, so they're not in eternal torment. Another view believes that hell is a refining fire that ends up burning up the impurities of our life while simultaneously refining the gold of our lives. And this view is often called universalism, where everyone eventually, and over time, makes it into the blissful state. Love wins and redeems everyone and everything. The last view we'll talk about is this, the the slow glorification or deterioration of the human soul in eternity. The glorification or deterioration of the soul uh, into eternity is based on the direction or movement of the human soul toward God or away from God, toward Christ or away from Christ. If we keep the original purpose of humanity in view, that we're image bearers, humans are image bearers, made to reflect God's goodness, his nature, his character, um, to the whole world, making us stewards of God's world, hell then becomes this freely chosen direction of a life reflecting or centering on other things, reflecting anything other than God himself, worshiping anything other than God. This means that Um, We bring hellish moments, behaviors, and choices onto our and into our world by our most hellish reflections. I'm sure some of us can think of some of the worst areas and times of our life and some of the worst images that we've seen in this world, and we can really say there are moments where there is hell on earth. And a life that gives more and more into those 
uh, let's call them dark flames, can become consumed by those flames. So we're either turning toward the eternal source of light and life. This is Christ, the wisdom of Christ. Or we are turning away from the eternal source of life toward darkness, away from wisdom, away from life. Both journeys in this perspective are eternal. Nothing remains in the dark that wants to be in the light of God through Christ, meaning God wants all to come to him, and anybody that would turn to him is received. God doesn't, he also doesn't force the door of our hearts open to him. As C.S. Lewis has noted, and in this view, the door is shut, the door of our hearts is shut from the inside, not from the outside. It's locked from the inside, not from the outside. So it's our response to God. So it's up to you. There's a great quote from Dallas Willard who held this view. He said, whatever you think hell is, God did not create hell because he's mad and he wants to see people suffer he, or that he enjoys torturing them for eternity. The only reason there is a hell is because God makes provision for what people want and hell is simply the best God can do for some people. Dallas is really saying like some people don't want God and God doesn't force himself on anyone. God honors our desire, our choice, or our choices with our our life, the direction of our life, and doesn't force anyone who doesn't want to be with him to eternally be with him. So this view takes into account the risk and responsibility of free will. It takes seriously the importance of character formation, that the direction of our character and our lives is in a heavenly direction or not, and also justifies the purpose of Jesus coming to earth. Jesus didn't, in this perspective, Jesus didn't come to save us from nothing, he came to save us from deteriorating away from being the image of God and away from God for all eternity and saves us for a flourishing life with God. So these are four perspectives. Um, Various Christians have held them over the ages. Um, I lean toward the last one, just um, that's kind of my bent, especially with um, kind of my, my background and my understanding of the image of God. But I have friends who disagree and hold different perspectives. And I think it's an important subject that should be, um, that the, the conversation should be caring and compassionate when we talk about it. Thanks for joining us uh, for today's spiritual questions. We'd love you to join in on the dialogue. Send us any questions you might have or your friends might have. Um, we'd love to engage with that. Um, and so we'd hopefully you send them in. Hopefully we have time. But we do believe everyone is on a spiritual journey. And here are a few questions for you to consider as you're looking to move forward and as you're going through this series with us. The first question is, where are you on your spiritual journey? You know, often we, we kind of define this into three areas, three broad areas, exploring faith um, in Jesus, trusting, like maybe beginning to trust Jesus, and then following, living a life that's actively following Jesus and aligning um, our values and our behaviors around what he values and the way he wants us to to act in the world. So exploring, trusting, and following, where are you at on your spiritual journey? The next question is, where can you see evidence of God in your life that maybe generates feelings of gratitude? If you were to look at your past and maybe your present, where do you see God at work on your spiritual journey? And the next question would be, where would you like to be on your journey? What might that, that look like? What might be getting in the way 
of your progress? This is an important question. Sometimes knowledge, you're like, I, I don't have the knowledge. That's a barrier. Maybe social anxiety, not feeling good enough. I don't know my purpose. Maybe shame or feelings of uh, shame, guilt, and sin. I don't know. What is maybe keeping you from stepping forward? And this last question is, what is it going to take to step forward in faith? Is it new hope, mentorship, forgiveness, freedom? Like, what is it that would help you take a step forward? Try to identify that this week. Guys, I love you so much. I'll see you next week. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or comments about today's message or would like to contact Garden City Church, reach out at info at gardencitynw.com or click contact in our show notes. Garden City services are made possible by your generosity. Your generosity is love in action. Have a great week and we'll see you next time.